0: I would like to open this episode with a reading. Please. I beg of you. Old Godzilla was hopping around Tokyo City like a big playground Mm. when suddenly Batman burst from the shade and hit Godzilla with a bat grenade. Godzilla got pissed and began to attack but didn't expect to be blocked by Shaq Mm. who proceeded to open up a can of Shaq-Fu. When Aaron Carter came out of the blue, and he started beating up Shaquille O'Neal. Then they both got flattened by the Batmobile. But before it could make it back to the Batcave, Abraham Lincoln popped out of his grave and took an AK-47 out from under his hat and blew Batman away with a rat-tat-tat. But he ran out of bullets and he ran away because Optimus Prime had come to save the day. This is the ultimate showdown, ultimate destiny, good guys, bad guys, and explosions, As far as the eye can see, and only one will survive, I wonder who it will be. This is the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny. And it goes on like that. Is this a song? This is the song and um, animation that was very popular when we were in high school. Mm -hmm. The ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny, which I'm surprised you're not familiar with. It does consistently surprise me how not online you are. I'm just a normal guy. You're just normal men. Uh, But I'm not normal men. I am the host of this podcast, Jojo's World. Hello, welcome to it. Get in it. Get amongst it. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Valentine, the other one of the co-hosts. And I read those lyrics in spoken word poem form Mm -hmm. because it's Bohemian Rhapsody Part 2, where (gasps) all the fictional characters show up and do bullshit. They're all here. Everyone is here! You got your Pinocchio, you got you your. you like Smash, you know? You Everyone got, is here. Everyone's here! A new challenger has approached! Yeah! Vincent van Gogh <laughs> cuts in! <laughs> Vincent van Gogh blows us all away? I think it, Yeah, there we go. I there think it's we go. Van Gogh. Van Gogh? Because he's Dutch. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Van, is it still... A- There's going to be terrible audio oh, yeah, every time we try it. We're going to say Van Gogh or Van Gogh interchangeably because it's too much effort to try and say it the in the authentic Dutch fashion uh, in a way that is not going to be dreadful audio on the microphone with all because mm. uh, of an inexperienced guttural pronunciation. Anyone whose last name is Gogh at this point will just be like, how dare you? I can run a podcast. And they did. And, they did. and, I, wish, quite and I wish them well. Yeah. But they can't say their names uh, Today we are talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6, Stone Ocean No <laughs> Stone Ocean, Season 5, that is of the anime So, Part mm. 6, Stone Ocean mm-hmm. Episode 178 Which covers chapters 701 through 705 of the manga Oh my god Bohemian Rhapsody Part 2 Fairy Tale Madness hmm. It, I added the subtitle. Oh, okay. I was going to say fairy tale madness. It's not really madness so much as the complete downfall of our society. At I large. would say it's madness. <laughs> it's a little crazy, but it's not just Alice in Wonderland. Some of it's you know just Batman, just Batman. Yeah, just Batman. Just normal old <laughs> just Batman. Just normal. We're just normal Batman. We're just innocent Batman. <laughs> Nick, what would you think about this one? Better than the last one. Why? Uh, now you you may know this, but I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, your Junji Ito, your, your kind of horror Name a second horror manga person. Uh. (laughs) Hirohika Araki. Yeah, Hirohika Araki. Um, anything that's, like, vaguely horrifying, like that, um, that one about the lady who's, like, overprotective of her son and then pushes off someone who's like, ah. I'm going to mess around with you in like a like near a cliff, saved your life. And then the mum's like, how dare you put my son in danger. The mum's like, cliff. thinner. What? what? <laughs> then I get thinner. <laughs> um, yeah, anything that's just like vaguely horrifying, I'm like, yes, give it to me. So this episode, we had some horrifying you goats. You describe it as vaguely horrifying? I describe it as quite grotesque. Um, the, um, yeah. the, the mother billy goat really has sort of late bloodborne boss vibes. Mm, she really does. Just like completely deformed. The scissors, the teats. Yeah, too many teats. Just too many. I own the wrong spots. Yeah. And a lot of eyes that you just go, ooh, n- mm, I don't know if that's... Eyes on the inside of the teats. <laughs> They're always watching. And I you saw know, everything on the grass. <laughs> You know when you watch, um, like, a painting? You know when you see, like, a painting? <laughs> Did you say, when you watch a painting? Look, I might have. I might have. <laughs> I'm going to go to the art gallery and sit down and watch my favourite <laughs> painting. You know when you when you watch a painting, mm-hmm. as you're walking by, and it's like, mm, the, the, still there. The, the teats on the goat watch you as you move? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? The the Mona uh, Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to thread that needle. It's not working. <laughs> I was thinking the that? same. Is there any any viable portmanteau here? And there's not. <laughs> it's like the best I have is Mona Gotha. Yeah, it's, it's not great, is it's it? It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> the the Gotha Lisa. The the. It's better, but it's still <laughs> shit. Of course, that will never never um beat the incidental portmanteau that we encountered during our discussion while watching the episode of Vincent Van Gogh. Because mm, he is, of course. The GOAT. Yes, but not though one of those GOATs. Oh. It's he's a clever those... play on words. Yeah, it's a an acronym, if you will. Yeah, he's the Game of the Year. Yeah, the GOAT. He's the Go of the Year. The Go, go of, of, the, the goth of the Year. The Goff of the Year. The Goff of the Year. <laughs> Once it was Vincent Van Gogh, another time it was Goff Whitlam. <laughs> There's so many Goffs. You know? The visigoths. The visigoths? Yeah. What the hell are the visigoths? It's just just not worth explaining this to you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's open up this old episode, Nikki. We open. As Anasui is herring down the sidewalk in pursuit of his own body, which is running away for reasons I still don't really understand. I don't really get the body, like out of body thing that's going on, but he's just running away. And he runs past a guy who is standing on the sidewalk, looking up and saying, "Who? Hey, Batman's up there!" And he pushes him over. And he, as he's moving past him, that man falls over and hurts himself, and we never see him again. And when we say man, it looks like a child. Like it looks like it's just some... like some weird short dweebus. Yeah. But uh, we should talk about the opening first. Uh, yes, because we didn't last Heaven's time. Falling Down, the new and final opening of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6 Stone Ocean. Until uh, we get more openings, maybe. Until maybe maybe there's another opening in the last episode, maybe. You never know, you never know. I mean, you know, but maybe... I do know. But maybe it'll happen. Why would maybe. they make a whole new opening for the last episode, Nick? Because we're... I mean, look, I've said this multiple times, we're going to space. If we don't have a new space... Space being... is falling up. Exactly. <laughs> uh... Details from the, ugh, I still just, I, I cannot stand the, the fandom Jojo wiki, which always is the one that has, it's got its SEO on lock, you know? Hmm. It's like you always get forced. Jojo wiki.com and... is Fun. my preferred Jojo wiki. <laughs> 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 the fact that we need to clarify this on the podcast says volumes. Well, we know the that fandom, fandom is a, uh, a shit place. A scum of a company. They are. They are. Heaven's Falling Down is the second opening theme song of Stone Ocean Mm. and the 11th overall for the JoJo animation. Mm. The song is performed by Sana, parentheses, Saju no Hana. Mm -hmm. It's all in lower caps. I don't know what that means. And uh, I should probably do my due due diligence and find out. Sana is a 23-year-old female Japanese singer from the the lead vocalist of the band, Saju no Hana. That Uh, makes sense. that, That does make sense. Yes. She's performed theme songs for other anime, including all of the ending themes for Mob Psycho 102, Parole for A Certain Scientific Accelerator, Mm -hmm. and Tento for Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon. Fucking hate. Fucking hate the way anime titling has gone. (laughs) What do you mean? Is it... Am I a guy who's recording a podcast about watching some anime? Well, what's the answer? You'll have to watch to find out. My neighbour's little sister is such a gamer and she's famous on Twitch. But watch out, she's got a stalker. And that's me. What's the the one that's like my secret... No, it's like my secret skill in this other world is online But Oh, they're shopping. all like that, you yeah. know. I've been sent to another world with a smartphone and I've turned into an ooze, but I'm also the villain. And then you're like, what's the tagline? So, oh, the tagline that, is fate order. Oh, well, what was that video game that I put in our group chat the other day? Let me just do a quick skim back and find it because it has also been infected by the same syndrome. It's just accurate. you know exactly what you're in for, right? You know what you you know what you want in this life. And now you can I get think there's it fast. something to be said for an artistic and less literal title. Like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for instance. Mm. I mean, to be fair, it so is it'd just be called a Bizarre Adventure. It would be called Yeah. My name's JoJo and my half brother Dio Brando killed our father and turned into a vampire. Now I have to stop him. No, 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 it has to give away what the journey is, not just say what the plot is, right? Like it has to be like I learned how to punch with the power of the sun to kill my vampire half-brother. That's the one. That's what you want from an (laughs) Isekai title. I got sent to prison by my boyfriend and now I have to save my dad's soul? No, but that's the tagline on. So there's this game. Okay. Uh, It's coming out for uh, for Switch and PS4. Hmm. Uh, It's called... Mon Yu. Defeat monsters and gain strong weapons and armour. You may be defeated, but don't give up. Become stronger. I believe there will be a day when the heroes defeat the Devil King. Wait, is that the full name of the game? That's the full name of the video game. Do you reckon it's to help with search algorithms as well? I don't don't know. If you just put that title in. There's only really one game (laughs) that has that in But you've got to type out the whole title. And you have to type it out correctly. Yeah, otherwise no results. (laughs) Yeah. Google's like, actually, there's a lot of other isekais that have names that are very similar to that. Sana is also the lead vocalist of Mob Choir. Is that Mob Psycho? Yeah, the musical artist of all Mob Psycho 100's opening themes. Huh. I haven't watched that show. Interesting. It's like I I probably won't. Yeah. But I understand there's some cool, like, like grifter guy in it. Grifter guy? The guy with, like, the blonde hair. (laughs) He's tall. He wears a suit. I don't know. Anyway, haven't watched it. Same. so, what is there to say about this uh, this, this opening, Nick? Uh, well, there's a lot. There's a lot of... Yeah. We there's... see Jolene. She's clasping the pendant that gave her stand power. As we see a flash of Jotaro in the medical facility. Mm-hmm. Unresponsive. Katawa- so, like, it's uh, it's scenes of locations that are relevant to supporting characters. Mm-hmm. For instance, like the um, the location where, I believe, Hermes' sister was killed. Mm-hmm. Or where her body was found, the harbour. Hermes' silhouette is there. As well as the silhouette of her stand. And they do like a quick action pose. We see that for everyone. And they're like in inverted colours. Yeah. Weather reports like body cut out (laughs) over the backdrop has clouds within it. Because (laughs) it's it's kind of his whole thing. Yeah. The whole gang is together staring up at the stars. I wonder where we're going. Mm. Uh, Heaven's falling down, of course. As everyone does a classic opening uh, action sequence. They gave Emporio a gun, which he frantically (laughs) fires. Father Pucci is standing, looking up at the camera. Uh, green hair, white suit, purple cross. <laughs> He's got a red shadow. He's all about the Jojos. Yep. And as I alluded to last time, uh, beach battle with the uh, light and darkness and yep. the solar, the lunar eclipse or the new moon. That's the the, the born s. It looks like a lunar battle. eclipse, but I, yeah. I guess it represents the new moon. Mm. The lyrics of this song. Um, I've never actually read the English lyrics of this one because I'm neglecting my duties. <laughs> See, we started off so studious. Yeah. And now over the years we're like, I'm an old man. I am an I, old man. i got no time for this. I <laughs> got no time for look, reading I'm an, lyrics. Look, I'm an ideas guy now, okay? <laughs> Destiny is mine. My fear won't bother me. The never-ending flow of love is in my heart. Shoot a thread of light. These are clearly lyrics from Jolene's point of view. Oh, absolutely. I feel no pain. That one is gone with the wind. My heart and soul are sharpened, sharpened by the brightest light of all. Brightest by far. Blah, 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 I hear your voice, your voice will guide me as is my fate. Heaven's falling down, the sky is breaking down, but I know I will survive until the end of time. Destiny is mine, my fear won't bother me, The never-ending flow of love is in my heart, shoot a thread of light. Hmm. What do you make of that, Nick? Well, it sounds like something is gonna happen in space. <laughs> He really fixated on space. Um, just, look, half the opening at this point is people. Nick looking saw up. the recent total solar eclipse, and now he's not being able to stop talking about space. <laughs> look, I just really like the sun. <laughs> well, like, a lot of uh Heaven's falling down, my world is breaking down, it's all in my blood until the end of time. Ooh. Mm. The Jojo curse. The Jojo curse. Mm. Until you have your singular, like, 20s phase where you deal with the curse and then you have a happy life ever after. According to Karen Aoki, the lyric, the sky is breaking down in the English version's chorus is based on the breakdown refrain from Great Days, the third part four opening. Hmm. There you go. There you go. There you have it. There we are. That truly was a bizarre adventure. (laughs) And now it's time to end the podcast. Here's an interesting, here's an interesting uh, bit of trivia. Mm Mm-hmm. Throughout the original version of the opening, there are four shots of different phases of the moon, referencing the coming of the new moon. (gasps) The new moon. And then it has timestamps and identifies them, but I don't really think that's necessary for us to go into that level of detail. (laughs) Not yet. But Just wait till the new moon comes up. According to Kamikaze Doga, (laughs) Mm -hmm. during the scenes in which the main characters stand looking at a bright star in the night, or as Nick would say, looking at space, Mm -hmm. the star itself represents Jotaro. With the green green light on the left, representing the green baby. Three stars furthest to the left of the scene represent the three sons of Dio. What? What? Wait, the three sons of Dio? (laughs) Steadfastly refusing to put two and two together yet again. No, because we had... Anyway, um... The three sons of Dio. We literally talked about this last time. Did we? There's Giorno. Oh, dear. Pushes Batman out of the way. Sorry, pushes Batman fan guy out of the way. Yeah. And then a guy starts yelling at him. Uh, a, a chocolatier, if you will. Anasui's all like, wait a minute. This you guy, see me? He's like, scoundrel. You you can see me. Weather Report couldn't see me. Why can you see me? Huh. Get away from my shop, you terrible, terrible and it's, it's a funny sequence here. So <laughs> the guy is, a guy is furious and terrified at Anasui because his body, doing whatever it is doing, which is never explained. Scoundrel. Just ran, his body, which is just running around. yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, ran through the shop and ransacked it. And now he's like, there's a guy who did it. I'm going to call the police, but also I'm scared of him. Mm-hmm. So Anasu is negotiating with him through the uh, glass window door of the shop, mm-hmm. uh, telling him, I'll give you money, I'll pay for the repairs, don't call the police. Yep. But behind him and around the corner of Anasu's body, Diver Down is reaching through the wall and grabbing the guy's cash from the cash register to use to pay him. It's quite a, it's quite a, the way it's shot and revealed, it's it's funny to me. It's just, it's so like, on the one hand you're like, oh yeah, Anasui's an okay guy. And then he does this and you're like, no, no, he's, he's he's still. Doing whatever needs to done. Yep. The hell that's enough. You smashed up my place. I've got no wife. I run this place all by myself. (laughs) He's, He's single. Oh, <laughs> ladies, tell you what, there's a there's a bald, mustachio chocolatier out there who's got no wife. He's, but He's got a lot of chocolate. He's three feet tall, but owns a shop. Mm. Mm. The shop has been trashed, however. Mm. And Anasui is trying to. I like just how get out um, of his... I'm looking at the signage of his shop on the window. <laughs> his mustache is the trademark uh, brand of his shop, which is simply called chocolate. <laughs> no wonder he's having problems. He's terrible at branding. Yeah, but if if I had somewhere here in Perth that was just called chocolate with that moustache on, I'd be like, you know what, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Two police officers come up and are like, hey, this guy matches the description of that escaped criminal Narciso Anasui. Immediately, Anasui's like, oh, Oh, shit. Sir, could you turn around, please? You can tell it's unrealistic because they didn't just open fire on him repeatedly. (laughs) Well, we're not in America. Oh, yeah, we are in America. we in Florida. Florida in America. Florida. You're right. Oh, immersion broken. <laughs> so Anasui, with his... Oh, body- he's, he sees his body run out the back door of the shop and then says, my body's still inside the shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so then his quick thinking uh, takes over and the guy's like, turn around, sir. And he and- uses Diver Down to put a bunch of chocolate underneath the skin of his face, changing its shape and he looks like a deformed old man version well he um, looks like if you if you took the plastic toy and a you got mm-hmm. and you held a lighter up to it for a little mm. while it's like a melted second and third chin yeah. Like a gigantic bulge on his cheek. The cops, who are elves, by the way, um, both uh, (laughs) are like, sorry, sir, must be some mistake. Oh my god, it's, it's, um, what's that film with Will Smith? Bright. Yeah, it's Bright. It's Orc Cop and Elf Cop. Oh my god. Orc Cop and Will Smith Cop. Oh my god, you're right, it is. (laughs) Sorry, you may go. And then he runs through the destroyed chocolate shop. And he, um... What we, He reveals how he changed his face with the chocolate mm-hmm. uh, and then he spits it out of his mouth. Personally, I I would eat the chocolate. But Liam, <laughs> I have a key question for you. Mm-hmm. Where's the shop owner? He was here not a mere moment well, ago. We'll cover that in a moment, Nick, but we do cut away to a breaking news broadcast first mm-hmm. that informs us that the famous Japanese character Kenshiro has defeated the villain Rao after a showdown in Shinjuku, Tokyo. And uh, it's just like what happened in the core... In the, in the in, source material. Yeah, which of course uh, is not un- not, not named, but with our knowledge as massive nerds, uh, <laughs> we can identify it as Fist of the North Star. Now, I'm assuming that that destroyed most of the city. I think that, um, you mean in Fist of the North Star or in... Both. Because <laughs> I think Fist of the North Star takes place in a post-apocalypse. Yes. So it probably doesn't have Tokyo. No, but there must have been some like, oh my God, I threw him through a building Sure, or sure. Uh, A bit of trivia about that sequence. Mm -hmm. I'm just confirming my facts. The newscaster is voiced by Shigeru Chiba, the narrator in various Fist of the North Star media, (gasps) who has previously voiced uh, Yoshihiro Kira in uh, Diamond Is Uh, (gasps) Unbreakable. Dad Kira. Oh my god! Oh my god! So you're telling me, Mr. Crowman? Yeah. Crow crow rider. Yeah, as he's flying around, is actually. I'm I'm Crow Rider. (laughs) He's the he's the, the the narrator. Of Fist Fist of of the the North North Star. Star, Which I have never watched. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, Nick, what do you know about Fist of the North Star? I know that it's probably uh post-apocalyptic. Uh-huh. People, everyone has a special kind of punch. Yep. Uh, And that Yakuza team made a Fist of the North Star game, which was described as pretty all right. Yes. So, I know that uh, Kentaro, I think, knows. knows. Sorry, Kenshiro knows. (laughs) Hamtaro. Uh, he, he knows, like... I don't think it's Tai Chi. He knows the Fist of the North Star. I, I think he literally knows acupuncture. I think that's the whole... His whole deal is that he knows where to okay, acupuncture. Well, I've got the description from the Wikipedia page here. Yeah. Uh, he knows the martial art Hokuto Shinken, <laughs> which gives him the ability to kill his opponents by striking their secret vital points. Yeah, like their pressure points. Yeah, yeah. which often explodes uh, results in exceptionally violent and gory jets. So, like, yeah. he can see your secret glowing weak points. He yep. can activate vats. And hit you there and there's like fight scenes which are says, literally you're already dead. Yeah, so he literally gets one-hit in and the dude's like that's not going to kill me. Punches Kentaro Kenshiro. Kenshiro and then it does nothing and he's like you thought you won. He's like wait but you should be dead by now, and then he just explodes. You're already dead, he says. Yep. And he looks like Mad. Okay, so he looks like Mad Max, right? If Mad Max was an anime and twice as well. Oh yeah, and he's never happy. And as we talked about way back in the day, he also looks exactly like Jonathan Joestar, but dressed in a post-apocalyptic punk. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, because Jonathan Joestar was Kenshiro, if I remember. Yes. That. Yeah. <laughs> um. Next well, yeah. place, following a um nuclear war. Mm. Uh, Kenshiro dedicates his life to fighting against the various gangs, bandits and warlords who threaten the lives of the defence. So he is very much a Mad Max type. Yeah, well, Mad Max is just trying to get by, but just so happens to be a warrior. Whereas Kenshiro is very much like, those motherfuckers are doing But like, things. remember in uh, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, how he decides to help them drive the tanker to wherever it is they're going yeah. uh, against the forces of Lord Humongous. With the aid of the gyro captain... Mm. Wait, I thought it was Toe Cutter in two. No, Toe Cutter's in one. I think so. Never mind, never mind. So, worldwide nuclear war in the 1990s. Uh, so, thankfully, 9-11 never occurred. <laughs> <laughs> the trade tower's still there. Yeah. We're all good. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to read... I want to find something about, about this villain, Rao. Okay. Kishiro's ultimate nemesis ends up becoming his eldest brother in training. Oh! <gasps> So that's, I think that's not his biological brother. I yeah, think. but a classic martial yeah, arts yeah. storytelling A thing. warrior who broke the law of Hokuto, Hokuto Shinken by refusing to allow his fists to be sealed. What? I don't know what that means, okay, and I sure. refuse to find out. Yep. Killing his master Ryuken and uh, refusing to surrender the succession to Kenshiro, Rao seeks to conquer the post-apocalyptic world as a warlord under the mantle of Ken-O, the King of the Fist by challenging every martial artist he sees as a threat. Seems like a long-winded way to conquer the world. I'm gonna individually defeat every strong warrior out there and was, I shall rule the world. Wasn't that basically what Genghis Khan did though? He was like, I don't think no, Genghis Khan famously had a massive horde. He didn't individually fight every no, no, capable he just, warrior no, in the world. Didn't he just say, Oh, I'm gonna lead everyone on the front lines and then I'm gonna No, just you're going thinking to... of how Genghis Khan famously fucked everyone in the world. And oh, that's why we're all descended right, from right. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so where this would be, I'm gonna individually kill everyone, he's like, no, no, I'm gonna individually have sex with everyone yeah just to be sure after a long series of battle Kenjiro emerges victorious over Rao Rao what do you think what is his name uh, Rao sure. Rao Rao and it seems peace has finally come to the post-apocalyptic world oh, concluding funny. the first half of the story <laughs> more on that never <laughs> Unless we ever watch Fist of the That's North true. Star. That's true, we can't rule it out. We can't rule anything I mean, out here. Honestly, if we wanted to do our due diligence and be responsible media entertainment journalists, comedians, mm-hmm. we would do Fist of the North Star because it shares primal DNA with JoJo. Yeah, but then you know what we would do? We'd then have to go back and also watch Mad Max. That's true. But then we'd have to go back and also watch Fast and the Furious, which clearly impacted Mad Max on a deep level. Hang on. Follow me here. Nick's keeping a disturbingly straight face for movies that weren't made when Mad Max came out. Yeah. I can normally tell when Nick's joking. <laughs> Just <laughs> roll with me on this. <laughs> if you tell me Mad Max Fury Road was not in some way. I impacted Mad Max. The first one. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's got nothing to do with anything in this world. <laughs> or at least the Road Warrior. We gotta watch Mad Max. The Mad Max 2 is basically the first Mad Max. Well, because I think I think Mad Max was well, didn't didn't it's, get it's a super widespread cinematic release in the US. So, yeah. uh, Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior was simply re- released there as The Road Warrior and treated as a standalone mm. film. Ah, right. It kind of feels like a standalone film as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of the Mad Max series, mm. isn't it? All these standalone adventures where you can just as easily swap out your incredibly problematic main actor for a new guy. <laughs> and you know what? Your incredibly po- problematic and 60-year-old actor mm. for a new guy who uh, played Bane yes he did yes you're right he did he also and played... he saved them at dunkirk he he also was um in a prison for however long oh we he saved... was born in that prison no no no. I'm he was talking... born in the darkness no Just i'm like not talking Boreo, about that prison i'm talking about a different uh, a british prison oh what's that what, what is that uh it's uh he's playing some famous convict guy who's like very polite but extremely like don't fuck okay him. is this f- what Do you, do you remember what this is from uh, I can't remember the name of the thing, but I know that Tom Hardy played a guy that he met and he was like, I don't know how to get anything across and get good life advice. He's like, oh, thank you, convict I'm about to play. That's good life advice. I'm so confused by this story. <laughs> hey, man, I, I didn't make this up. This is a real thing that happened. There's a Tom Hardy interview where he's like, yeah, he told me stuff about like some life advice by this convict guy. And he does this a lot. The the guy does Describe this. Describe what you're doing. He's, he's holding his fists up like fisticuff style, but then offering tea. Okay. Yeah. Great. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> don't worry. Just look up Tom Hardy's filmography and you'll find it at some point. But Nick, where did the chocolatier go? Where did this little man end up? I'm, I'm asking you. I'm stroking my chin. I'm thinking maybe he left the store, but I don't know where. Why? He's riding a white horse that has <gasps> giraffe antennas <laughs> but in the wrong spot. that's the same uh, things as the headband that Snow White has been wearing uh, the little alien antennae but who's that sitting next to Snow White on this perfect this horse? handsome prince why that's no prince that's a chocolatier he looks like William Shakespeare wearing a little crown because he's got a big ruff on <laughs> hang on Anyone that has this little ruffle... No, but he also looks like William Shakespeare. What do you mean he looks he's like William... He's got Willi- the, the, the side hair, the balding, the moustache. Shakespeare doesn't look like that. Shakespeare had like a I'm full... I'm going to pull up that famous portrait of William Shakespeare. Shakespeare had like a full the, you'll, tuft of You'll bear. eat your words, Nick. We'll see about this. I'll eat my words when I eat chocolate, sir. Shit. Yeah, he doesn't have the beard, sir. So. But he's he's got a that huge forehead. He's got the moustache. Yeah, but he doesn't look like a chocolatier guy surely not he just has a big forehead That's Nick, a- I think you're quiet oh shit speaks for itself <laughs> look he's just got a big forehead for that big brain you know shit fuck wait who the hell's I'm the other finding guy I'm increasingly more looking like this guy Shakespeare portraits. <laughs> but like is this also meant I to be so, Shakespeare I think so yeah so like ah oh, dignified sha- so we've got a side uh, Matt by Matt Lucas yeah <laughs> Shakespeare as played by Matt Lucas from Little Britain <laughs> Not it's, literally, it just looks like that. it's like left-hand side Shakespeare, very dignified, very noble, and then the right-hand th- side just this fat Shakespeare guy who's like, "Hello, hello, I'm gonna write a lovely little It's poem. me, Willie Shakes. Are you uh, are you looking for a bit of smut? The Bard, they call me. I've written like 700 sonnets, and I'm comparing all sorts of things to Summer's Day, ain't I? How many women you got there, Shakespeare with them sonnets, or more than you'll ever get, sir? Oh, I have and, one then. I have and one and some men. Oh, the dwarves are ecstatic they're flying around being like Snow White's back hooray they all ride away into the sunset that's how the story goes and Anasui's like I do not give a fuck the chocolatier's like I don't need my body anymore now I've got a wife (laughs) Uh, they ride out of the story Uh, I'm so excited that the dwarves never turned on Anasui they just remain chill guys yeah they're just there doing stuff I just love the concept of I don't need my body anymore. I found a partner. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right. It seems like you what might have that? some deeper issues, uh, lonely chocolate here. <laughs> but what the fuck does that even mean? It's just an innocent I mean, it's, chocolate. It's here. entirely literal. He doesn't need his body anymore because he's living the bohemian Rhapsody lifestyle until he, he has a wife now. <laughs> abruptly. What, how, what's his reaction when he's abruptly returned to his body by. Uh, go back man or whatever he's called is is this like um get the get backers what what's that film where someone literally leads like their utopian life and then is snapped back into the reality at like a point in time previously and they're just like i don't know they just shake their hands staring at them and go what uh no. 1984 i mean potentially no it's like hey we have got some trivia for you what is it Your brave is new dead. world no. no, no, it's not... Breaking. The Hunger Games. No, it's like... It's literally like a... Back to the Future. No, no, no. It's like literally something along the lines of there's some magic timeline shit happening. Some guy's really happy and then the other people fix it and then he goes back to like his sad, lonely life and he's like, I had everything. It's a wonderful life. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Come back, Zinc. Oh, maybe. There's a grandfather clock and a magazine in the alleyway now. That's a hell of a title. Is that an Issa Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So is looking at it and it's like, how could you be so cruel? He immediately roundhouse kicks the grandfather clock and he responds to this. And you got to respect, it doesn't work out in this case, but you've got no. to respect his ability to just be like, some fucked up shit's happening, I'm going to lash out. Well, like, if you hear voices coming from your grandfather clock, what are you going to do? And now we've got to talk about what these billy goats look like. Okay, so there's Because a little creature. It's on the ground next to the book about its story. It's, it's about a, the size of a foot. It's... Yeah, it's about the size of a foot. Uh, like a human foot. Yeah. It's got like a shapely ass. <laughs> <laughs> a fine booty. The tip of its tail and the top of its head are both shaved and like, you know, like when a cartoon character, like Bugs Bunny, has had its head shaved and it's like got those weird dots on its head. Like the weird pointy hairs coming out. Yeah, yeah. It yep. uh, looks like that. Um, It's got like... um Perfectly py- horizontal pyroph- ears. Hierophant green eyes. Oh God, yes. They're like stitched up. And little lips. Little lips? Would we call them little? Big lips. Big smooches. Yeah. But like like, flat smooches. How? Please, Lisa. (laughs) I thought you loved me. How could you (laughs) devour my brothers like that? It also has weird slits in its back. That's true. Or like... Oh, I know they're not slits. Yeah, they're like mini dicks. Like (laughs) mini woolen dicks. It's got weird cartoonishly sharp teeth. Its hooves look like two-fingered feet. And it's like... why did you eat my brother's? Like, and mean, this is just Why? the shot with the lighting from the room behind him, or the, the pattern on the corridor. But it does look like it's opening its mouth, and a like uh, pink beam of light is coming out of its mouth at him. <laughs> and, honestly, he's oh, like- and also, like now that we, we, I've moved ahead in my f- photos to a reverse shot. And we can see it's like got a weirdly human face as well, like mm. just a human nose on the end of its face. It's just—it's so unsettling. It's fucking. Disturbing. We we hate these things. I and, love it. Uh, we are uh, disappointed we didn't get to see Anasui so grind them beneath his heel. <laughs> uh, and so it's all like, you killed my sisters and brothers. And then there's some more like half-eaten corpses on the ground behind uh, in the doorway. That they they just run through. And then it starts recounting the only survivor hid inside the grandfather clock. Well, um, first and is a bit confused. He's like, that stuff on the ground, I thought that was the chocolate I injected into my face. Are they goats or are they chocolate? (laughs) It's a classic human conundrum. A classic philosophical question. Are they goats or are they chocolate? Or are they dancers? (laughs) Or are they dancers? So yes, the goat reads the story. He's a cunning little devil. He tricked the seven kids into opening the door and came inside. Uh, basically, so this is the story. Uh, it's a grim fairy tale. Of course it fucking is. And it's by the grub Brothers Grimm as well. Oh, of course it, a grim fairy tale. <laughs> the wolf tale. and the seven young goats. Why is it always seven with them? Numerology. <laughs> seven, the number of Nurgle, I think. Couldn't tell you. Who knows? The tale has the obvious resemblance to The Three Little Pigs and other type 124 folk tales. That's what the Wikipedia I'm page sorry. says, and it doesn't define that term at all. <laughs> I would just love if somewhere they're like, we have defined these kinds of fairy tales. We have numerically categorized them. We I'm will not explain words. what they are. Okay, so it's a classification based on the Arne Thompson Uther Index. What? This is like some, this is some Magnus Archives SCP yeah, shit. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> it's like, well, these... Were these like scholars who just thought... Uh, I assume so, yeah. yeah. Or the ATU Index, a catalogue of folktale types used in folklore studies. This is genuinely fascinating to me. What? It's the product of a series of revisions and expansions by an international group of scholars. Mm-hmm. Uh, first first uh, composed in German by Finnish folklorist, Auntie Anne. Not the other folklorist, Auntie Donna. A-N-T-T-I. A-A-R-N-E. Auntie... What was it? Auntie Anne. Nineteen ten. Definition of tail time. This is so getting beyond the scope of our podcast, but I've just I've learned a new thing and it's intriguing yeah. me. This is all of your English studies coming yeah. back, and you're going. We have what? Oh, the, the the word of literature is alive to me again, <laughs> much like in Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> but it's not trying to kill you, unless. A type is a traditional tale that has an independent existence. It may be told as a complete narrative Mm -hmm. and does not depend for its meaning on any other tale. Mm -hmm. It may indeed happen to be told with another tale, but the fact that it may be told alone attests to its independence. It may consist of only one motif or many. So let's look at this system. So is that something like mythology? You might have the tale of Loki getting a thing. uh, There's an example here. Okay. The entry for 510A in the ATU index reads, 510A, Cinderella, or Cendrillon, Cendrillion Ashet Ashenputel. A young woman is mistreated by her stepmothers and has to live in the ashes as a servant. Uh, it basically recounts the, the tropes of yeah. Cinderella without going into any specific names or anything. Yeah. Uh, this type is usually combined with episodes of one or more of the other types, especially 327A, 403, 480, 510B... <laughs> This really is an SCP thing. It's literally just like cataloguing the way that what I'm sure would have been predominantly like oral tradition, storytelling Mm. has spread and co-mingled. It's fascinating. I gotta ask, critical response. American folklorist Alan Dundes explained that uh, it's some of the most valuable tools in the professional folklorist's arsenal of AIDS for analysis. Interesting. Okay, so I found the list. The list, as provided in this Wikipedia page, does uh-huh. not seem complete. But we have—I don't know why this is called list because it's not a list. It's—it's—it's it's, it's it's related something. articles. So there's Bear's Sun Tale, Animal as Bridegroom, The Bird Lover, The Spinning Woman by the Spring, mm-hmm. Grateful Dead, Calumniated Wife, Calumniated, The Three Golden Children as a subset, and Riddle Tales. Hi, I'm Calumni... Now, What number type were we actually we we're actually looking for type one, 2 f- four. three. Three three three, two, three? Yes. What? I thought it was one two four. Oh yes, sorry. Um the the punishment where they fill his stones with um his belly with stones uh, and drown him is um often seen in type three 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 tales. Oh classic. You know, three 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 are often my favorite story. <laughs> this is like This is not insane... We're through the looking glass We really are. It's just like... So listen, when I'm engaging in 187, I require 379 to create 419s. Like, what does any of that mean? Okay, here's a list. Examples of type 124 folk tales include the story of the three little pigs, Mm -hmm. uh, under various names, Mm -hmm. uh, the fox and the pixies, the fox and the geese, the awful fate of Mr. Wolf, the story of the pigs, how come the pigs can see the wind... (laughs) <laughs> it's an Isekai. The three goslings and similar. So, right. you know, it's it's hitting the same basic story tropes, but the the there's actual th- animals might, or, or yeah. creatures, can be subbed out for any, any basic predator-prey relationship. Mm, right. So there's a big bad that probably eats someone. Tricks its way into the house. Yeah. But is there a revenge arc? Like, does the final uh, goose John Wick its way into the wolf's <laughs> den <dam laughs> and then... and it has a gun and then it gets captured and it's like it was my last connection to my family it's interesting this bit of impromptu research that we um have embarked on notes that the um the filling of the belly with stones and drowning um is indicative of of type 333 tales because i remember reading or i remember hearing as a youth or or reading a telling of red riding hood where that's the ultimate fate of the wolf oh interesting So instead of just like... Skinning him or whatever. Or cooking him or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's all connected. It is all connected. Language and story is beautiful. Support the writer's strike on now in our Hollywood America. I do love I think I, I sent a message to you about this I do love that when they said there needs to be some kind of regulations surrounding AI like we need to get on you can't top just of it. rewrite previous people's yeah. work with AI they, and want then, they, they are advocating for yeah and then their response the, the what is it The not the writers the, girl, um, the producers yeah. association or yeah. whatever their response is well how about we just sort of discuss how about we don't this? regulate it but we commit to an annual meeting about new technology and it's like, like, what, no, that's, what that, that, That'll be the meeting you to just decide we're all fired at. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. So the only goat that survived hid in the grandfather clock. Oh no. But we just punched that. So what, that means, but what? The mother comes home and hearing her children's cries from in the wolf's belly, cuts him open with scissors <gasps> and then fills, freeing them, and then fills the wound with stones and drowns him in the pond. What a strength! So Anasui route, is fighting to break this fate. Yeah, so Anasui immediately is like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Grabs the book, has a look inside, and is uh, like... immediately starts to wolf out, much like the old man in the car did last time. His jaw splits open to become a more longer wolf-like uh, more yeah. muzzle. Uh, uh, he gets fangs. Uh, he gets like some some spurts of fur pressing through his skin. He doesn't have all of his skin fall off like a loose mask. Like the uh, yeah. old man did. Quite the opposite. Because he's got, I suppose, but I suppose he's got that stand user willpower. Mm. Uh, his ears grow out and he looks more devilish than ever before. I'm being dragged into the story. No, meanwhile. Weather Report just blatantly ignores this weather guy on the street. walks past an oil painting on the street. <laughs> and he's all like, hello, you know me, don't you? Do you know the way to the hospital in Sahrami? And he's like, no, no, no I way. don't live here. He's like, no, no, no. I think, I think you I know love me. So between talking with Pinocchio last episode mm. and talking with uh, Van Gogh this episode, yeah, I love how brusque Weather Report is with people asking him things like, "Go away, or I'll kick you to death." No, I don't live here. <laughs> it's like it would be so easy to be like, "This guy has no personality." Yeah. But the fact that he's so blunt is like, it's a, well, it's like, a, it's a, it's a forthright personality in its own right. It's like Jotaro when he's like, "No, I don't care." Yeah. Leave me alone. It's like that. And you know how else he's like Jotaro? How? He's got that star birthmark. But how how does this work? It's impossible. And you know how else he's like Jotaro? How? No memory. (gasps) But... Hey, wait wait a minute. How does Jotaro have no... Oh my God, you're right. He does have no memory (laughs) right now. But what does it mean? Nothing. Oh. So, the guy, who's obviously... I mean, he looks a bit elfy because... People that Araki draws these days all look a bit elfy. Mm hmm, mm-hmm. Particularly if they're secondary characters. Yep. Uh, and he's all like, no, 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 you know me. You know who You're I am. You're a fan of mine, right? And he's all like, I don't know who you Weather are. Weather Report's so cultured. He likes fine art. Yeah. And the man, he's holding a bloody straight razor, which is all. So the whole guy is painted like a Van Gogh painting. He's got those mm. little swirls of colour. He's got like a, a distinctly different texture to mm. his skin and clothing than everything else around him. <laughs> but the blood is real. My name is Van Gogh. I'm Van Gogh's self-portrait. Uh. <laughs> He's got those little sw- Van gogh swirls around him. You know, like <laughs> in that Starry Night painting Just, that's so can- famous. Sorry, Van Gogh. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday I cut off my ear with a razor. And then at this point, uh, weather reports start to separate from his body like Anasui has. Because he oh, finally no. encountered a character, quote-unquote, that he recognised. Yeah, a, a story, if you will. That he was moved by. Narrative potential. Meanwhile the goats are like Mommy's gonna cut you up." <laughs> so so honestly he looks over In like an alleyway Yeah there's a lot like- of ominous like Shadows approaching from around the corner alleyway And like snip, opening snip. Of, Like Scissor Man from the Clock Tower series yeah. It's like the shadow of Scissors Starts like whooshing yeah. It's like ah, you took my children from me. And he's just basically dealing with this for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, you know, he's running away. He's jumping into cars. He's... he's shutting doors, and but then the doors open like pages, and and he's just guys stopped. come out, and he's like, God damn it, it's impossible to get past them. They're a story, and the story. And stories just... are the most powerful thing of all. Mm, that's, that's why Bran should be king. What? <laughs> so. That, literally the the rest of this episode is just him trying to escape Mother Girl. And, and, and interspersed with weather reports, dealing with what he's dealing with. Yeah, getting shot in the head. Trying not to commit suicide. Because Van Gogh apparently needed to shoot himself twice in the head. This user doesn't care about causing chaos around the world. Chaos. Chaos. You know, who else didn't care about causing chaos around the world? Who's that? The Luthenians. Ooh. Well, they did if it was their world. It wasn't. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stand itself is invincible, and the guy weather report tries to. He feel, he can he can feel the stand user moving mm-hmm. somehow. But before it was north, and now it's south. No, that hasn't happened yet. Oh. Uh, but it's about to <gasps> in our in our retelling, because it can no. happen in any order. Ultimately, in our retelling, <laughs> much like different fairy tales morph and evolve over time, mm. the order of this episode and the story can morph and evolve through our retelling of mm. it to become infinitely worse. worse. <laughs> he uses weather report which has a range of like 30 kilometers apparently yep. to shut down the northbound highway with rain. Yeah. Severe downpour. Hmm. Except when we see it it's on specific <laughs> <Yes>. cars. <laughs> I mean, he's only got to stop specific cars, right? Yeah. Well, they just slip around. They're like, "What the fuck's going on?" Man, I was driving, I was driving home from I think I mentioned recently I was in the town of Denmark recently. Mm. And on our drive back the rain was so stressfully heavy like had the, had the wipers on full and there were times when we still couldn't really see. Yep. Yep. That's, that's south of West Australia. Yep. Yeah, it was a little scary. Yep. So Weather Report stops all these cars, blocks the highway, and Van Gogh's all like, Here's a question. How many self-portraits did I paint before my untimely death? Weather Report snatches the razor out of his hand and it morphs into a paintbrush he's all like, I... And, and little little specks of Van Gogh-esque paint start to appear on his jawline. And then Van Gogh's all like, it was four. There were four self-portraits I made. And then I killed myself with a gun. And then Bang! A, a bullet fires out of the paintbrush into Weather Report's head. But the paintbrush is a gun now. Oh my God. What? How does this work? And he shot himself in the head twice, Van Gogh exposits. Uh, so in terms of storytelling, Weather Report is fine until that second bullet hits him. <laughs> That That's... first bullet that went straight through his head and we saw both an entry and an exit mm-hmm. has not impaired him in any way. Well, it's sort of impaired him slightly. It's impaired him slightly. Not much, but... <laughs> no. Uh, and he realised that the stand user is in a plane because now it's to the south of him. But it's so good. How could something move so quickly? Because it's a plane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. So on the plane... Oh, um, or we, do we get more... Do we need to describe Mother Goat now that we see her? Oh, yes, we do. It's like the other goats, Uh but bigger. Uh, Three strips of shaved head on top. More bulbous eyes than before. And like a ring of like round teats around its torso. Like perfectly spherical, just waiting to be milked. Unpleasant. Just And while wielding scissors in the front two hooves. Mm -hmm. Weather report... um, Sorry, uh, Anasui escapes by sticking Diver down into the wall and then like riding it along the wall and smashing out the window of the chocolate shop, grabbing onto a uh, passing police car, The police car from earlier. The police are now driving in it. Uh, one is, I'm guessing, maybe the cowardly lion from Wizard of Oz. Maybe? Kind of. Or Aslan. I got no he's idea. A, he's, a, he's wearing a lion costume at any rate. Something, yeah. And the other. Looks like Pinocchio? No. I mean, not Pinocchio, Pocahontas? Or. or I mean, it, or Or some. some has got long blonde hair, earrings, and a blue ha- head wrap. I don't know, man. I don't know. Just someone from a story. I'm pretty sure the cop was a guy earlier, too. Oh, maybe it is still a guy. Maybe it's um, some. What's his name? Arabia. Um, Lawrence, Lawrence of, of Arabia? Arabia? I don't know. Is In that a fictional system? character or a historical character? It can be both. Like <laughs> Vincent can... van Gogh. Exactly. Exactly. So their souls have also separated from their bodies. And then the the police car opens up into pages and the goats are back. And he's like, I'm still dealing with this. Stories can't be destroyed. <laughs> so Weather Report's like, huh, where is that stand user? And we get a cutaway to our stand user, uh, the drug addict from last episode who... Uh, Randomly got a new power just, just out of nowhere when he got shot. The ability that recently awakened within me. And then we get a weird flashback. Uh... Is it here where he's talking with, um, old priest? No, it's much lighter. Okay, never mind. We don't get a weird flashback. And we see we out the a... window that Aladdin and the genie are flying outside the plane. <laughs> I like their designs. Like, Aladdin's just this, like, goofy-looking dude. And the genie is, a uh, he's green. And he's, nefarious. Uh, he's got little balls on his tail. And he's like, just like, ho, 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 ho. He's like a Just, just flying through the sky. Yeah. I can show you the world. <laughs> So he's just there listening to his music being like, this is listening great. Listening to the news, I believe. Oh yeah, listening to the news being like, this is great. The whole society that hated me is now becoming... And like, now we are cutting away to the flashback, uh, which wasn't I much guess. later. It was in fact immediately after. <laughs> but stories can change like that. Yeah, stories and their orders. And we now. watch some sperm fertilise an egg. Just like the 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 cycle of life. Only the strong survive. To be born means to be chosen. Mm. Once one is chosen... One is protected and supported by all amidst the competitions of life. Hmm. The chosen one rises above, and we see one sperm enter the egg. And then we're in a hospital room with Poochie, uh, this fella, the Bohemian Rhapsody fella. Uh, uh, the drug addict guy. Yeah, the other fella that we saw uh, in his cow body suit, cow print body suit, yeah. being taken in the hospital hospital uh, stretcher. And, he's just and there's a third guy that we only see in the shadows in the hospital bed. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, those who, Father Poochie's talking, those who were drawn to me they exist to bring me heaven when the rightful time arrives. Yes, Jolene Cujo may have escaped to chase me down, but she merely exists to help me attain heaven. you got to respect his faith. Hmm. And hmm. so, Cowprint guy and Bohemian Rhapsody guy, they're standing in a real, they're in a real tableau, aren't they? <laughs> it's just- you know that scene oh, in The Shining? <laughs> The scene in... I think oh, the yes, 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 yes. The, like, Wait. bear suit blowjob or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, some weird, like, cow dudes yeah. or something. Real vibes of that where the guy, the, the Bohemian Rhapsody guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, uh, but I'll look it up in a sec. Yep. Because we've got to do our usual thing because he's never explicitly named in the story as far <laughs> as I can tell. Um, he's just a guy. He looks a bit like Shitty Mister. <laughs> it's just because he has a beanie. And, this like, a similar pattern to his... Um, I guess jumper as well, but it's monocolor instead of the um. Also, he has a mustache here. No, his mouth is open. Oh god! That's anyway, so he's deep- standing with like his knees bent, so like so that his like waist is like cocked back a bit and then kneeling directly in front of him uh, with his face uh, hidden in the shadows is cow suit print guy. Mmm. It's, when I saw it, I was like, what the fuck is why going you, on here? Why, like, why is Poochie talking to these guys while they're having, uh, while they're giving and receiving a blowjob? Yeah, literally I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And you are like, Father, Father Pucci is literally explaining it. And then we, like, we no. shot and reverse shot. And I was yeah. like, oh, hang on, I see what you're talking about. <laughs> it was just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so Father Pucci's just like... He's recruited these three guys to yeah. help him get to Cape Canaveral. Yeah. All he, all he needs to do is have them take him to Cape Canaveral. And that's it. I'm going to look up his name because not having his name is driving me crazy. So bloody... The, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, if you know what I'm saying. I don't. (laughs) The downfall of society as we bloody know it, mate, you know? It's just a bit of bloody Kentaro and Batman bloody going at it, you know? It's destroying everything in their path, you know? (laughs) Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Bohemian Rhapsody's stand user is named Ungalo. Ungalo. Hello, my name is Ungalo. He draws his name from the French fashion designer Emmanuel Ungaro. Ooh. Um, anything up with uh, Emmanuel well, Ungalo. Well, first we'll talk about Ungalo. Okay. Uh, who is twenty three to twenty four years old? <laughs> born drink? in nineteen eighty eight. He was drinking champagne on the plane. We was saw he? that. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. He has no trivia on the JoJo Wiki. Terrible. Terrible. What's the JoJo Wiki even doing if there's no trivia? I mean, he's not very. He's not a very well developed character. Yeah, I guess he? not. No. Emmanuel Ungaro was a French fashion designer who founded the fashion house called the House of Emmanuel Ungaro in 1965. Hmm. They. There's not much info on what they actually do. He has no controversy section Ooh, on his Wikipedia page. But we know there has to be one. No, we don't. There's got to be one. He's a fashion designer. Ungaro <laughs> entered perhaps his most influential period in the 1980s as he interpreted the era's aggressive, broad-shouldered women's silhouette with Edwardian style, shirring, ruching and draping and his trademark eye-catching prints to create a voluptuous, very feminine, even coquettish look that was highly popular with the public. Nothing I enjoy more than a good, um, coquette, you know? In the late 1970s, fashion journalist Michael Roberts, when opening a Sunday column in the Times, said Emmanuel Ngaro has a great charm. He wears it around his neck. Oh, damn it. How old is that? Ooh, okay. Here's something. Ooh. After the sale, the label... Lang- okay, so this is following his exit. He retired okay. and sold the label to internet entrepreneur Asim Udallah for $84 million. I don't see this going well. Uh, after the sale, the label languished with a revolving door of designers, the last of which Esteban Cortazar. Was appointed in 2007. Was fired two years later after his refusal to work with the actress Lindsay Lohan. Subsequently, oh. Lohan was appointed artistic director, working with new head designer Estrella Arx, who was later who was hired hastily to replace Cortazar. The introduction of Lohan, which meant to was meant to give the label publicity, was received with shock and dismay in Paris Fashion Week 2009. In 2010, uh, Paris Fashion Week. During Paris Fashion Week, Lindsay Lowen announced that she was no longer working for or with Ungaro, and that she couldn't the label that is, not the person, uh-huh. And that she could not comment on the matter because of legal issues. Her work was heavily criticized, and soon after the fashion house was looking for a buyer. They in twenty fifteen they launched a smart ring that when connected to a phone dimly lights up when a selected few contacts call. Wearable technology is pointless. No, it's not. That that instance of it is. Yeah, that one is. Wearing a ring that doesn't let you interact with anything, but it's like, oh, but something's happening. You're like, okay, all right. In 1988, Ungaro married Laura Burnaby. He has a daughter, Cosimaro Ungaro, but her birthdate has been kept a secret, which seems sensible. How nice. We don't yeah, so this guy, as far as our fashion designers on JoJo's go, he's all right. We got nothing on him. Yeah. (laughs) Soon, soon, we'll find something and be like, Ungaria your time's it up. He died in 2019. Damn it. <laughs> Maybe he was okay. Maybe he was alright. Well, we know What's-Her-Name who died recently was, was good. Yeah, true. She was a, what's a her strong, name? Um, strong activist lady. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything. I, I, it's going to drive me crazy. I simply must know. Vivian Westwood. Mm. Was it Vivian Westwood? Yes. Okay. Never second guess. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh-huh. The stand of this man. Mm-hmm. What's it named after? No, Nick. I'm in control of this. Bohemian Rhapsody. This Dan of this man has the following the JoJo Vele commentary. Here we go. All the characters that appear are non copyrighted. I actually wanted to draw a certain famous character, but the editing department rejected it. So I only put in the tail. <laughs> and I believe, if I remember correctly, uh, during the "Where the Fuck Is Mickey" sequence, mm. you see a quick shot of like a mouse tail di- zipping around a corner or something yep. like that. Yep. So he says they're all non copyrighted, but we the, did all also the ones that physically appear. Right, okay. Because the references aren't necessarily legally culpably... I suppose so, no. Oh, well. At least we got the T-800 mentioned. That's the most important. And Chewbacca. And Chewbacca. Nick, the song Bohemian Rhapsody is a song by the British rock band Queen. Everyone knows it. Literally, I don't know a single person who doesn't know Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, If you work in a karaoke bar, you will soon grow to hate it. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) fandango. That's all I I can remember. And the Galileo part, but, you know, everyone knows the Galileo part. Mercury referred to Bohemian Rhapsody as a mock opera that had resulted from the combination of three songs he had written. Hmm. That is about right. That makes sense. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. (laughs) The song parodies elements of opera with bombastic choruses, sarcastic recitative and distorted Italian operatic phrases, Lyrical references include Scaramouche, the Fandango, Galileo Galilei, Figaro and Beelzebub with cries of bismillah. Bismillah? Bismillah. And to you too. Uh, It's the Islamic phrase meaning in the name of God, the most gracious, the most merciful. Huh. Do you reckon that sorry, that Sorry, that's like sort of the shorthand for referring to that phrase. Oh, Okay. Do you reckon that was on purpose, or do you reckon they were just like, What do you mean by that? <laughs> As in, like, when they were coming up with words to put in there, that they were just like, okay, we need to find, like, the Islamic phrase for, like, God, and, like, tributing to God, so no. that we can sing it. So then maybe they just made up a word that just so happened to sound like it, and everyone said, they parodied. They put it in there. They were wise. Maybe? No. Possibly? No? No, that's idiotic. <laughs> 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 I think less of you for saying that. But maybe, maybe they just put in just words and they now, were like, yeah, hey, just so happened to sound like it. I don't know how apocryphal wind. this is, hmm. but uh, the story that I've heard is that when this song came out, it was like, you know, it did fine. Yeah. But it wasn't groundbreaking. Yeah. And then it was in Wayne's world in yes. the 90s. And it was like, ah, second life, instant iconic status. Yeah. Because they were like headbanging in the car. Yeah. In that really, really long scene. Yeah. In 1976, when asked for his opinion on Bohemian Rhapsody, the Beach Boys leader Brian Wilson praised the song as the most competitive thing that's come along in ages, and a fulfilment and an answer to a teenage prayer of artistic music. Okay, so it might have been a bit of a big hit as well. Well, I mean, it could be it could be critically acclaimed, but mm. not necessarily get that huge, oh. huge commercial. Maybe, but surely. I thought. Queen... Well, let's let's see. Let's see. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody top, topped the UK singles chart for nine weeks. Okay, so it's, it did quite well. <laughs> But then it had a second heyday. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Much like how the Macarena had um, two distinct heydays. One when it was... uh, One when all the school kids had to learn it at school, and one when everyone went, Hey, where's the Macarena? What was up with that? No, not that. Two years ago. No. (laughs) Oh. Did you know they released a Christmas version of the Macarena? I'm sorry. I watched a, um, was it Todd in the Shadows view a video on the creation of the Macarena? It's yeah. very fascinating. I highly recommend our listeners check it out. Is it just Christmas phrases where they would normally no, say it? It's otherwise? basically just the Macarena with like jingle bells underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> and like occasional like joy to the world bells. Oh, Church bells, that is to say, and they're just like. So how's it Christmassy? It's got bells. Okay. Okay. So here it is. This is. I think this is the source of that apocryphal story. Okay. In the United States, the song peaked at number nine in 1976, but reached a new peak of number two after appearing in the 1992 film Wayne's World. Ah. So it's technically true, but only really applicable to the United States. Right. Okay. So that explains how that would have Hello, circulated yeah. through pop culture and like storytelling because. You know, in the United States, you're only going to pay attention to the, to the United States charts. That is very true. Well, we're learning all sorts of things today, Nick. We're learning about the folk u- Folklore UTI Index. The UTI <laughs> index. <Yep. laughs> And about the true history of Bohemian Rhapsody. Which we kind of knew. Yes. But we also found a fashion designer who didn't suck. That we know of. Mm. Okay, I'm just going to... Uh, read this excerpt of a 2009 Guardian music article on Bohemian Rhapsody. How much stuff is there? On, well, I guess it is basically... You know, one of, one of the most... Old, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess there's quite a bit to unpack here. The precedents of Bohemian Rhapsody are as much in the 19th century classical traditions of rhapsodic quasi-improvisational reveries. Like, say, the piano works of Schumann or Chopin. Or the... Do you know the um, JRPG <laughs> that takes place in Chopin's Dying Dream? That's not the one that was Eternal Sonata, I think. No, no. I know the one that's like Konami's take on The Wizard of Oz. It could be that too. I'm not sure. Who knows? But basically, the whole game takes place in Frederick Chopin's dream on the night he dies. Uh, And Frederick is one of the members of your party. He's got kind of an amnesia situation. But he's not the main character. He's not the main protagonist. He's just a party member. He's just there to be like, I'm just a stranger in this world. Exactly. What? What a concept, though. Hmm. Is it a rhythm game? No. It's a JRPG. It's got turn-based combat. <laughs> so how long is the combat? As long as you need it to be. What? I watched like three quarters of a Let's Play of it a hmm. while ago. It seems okay. Yeah. Actually, there's an H-Bomber guy Let's Play. Um, you know, he's, oh, God. he's reasonably famous. Yeah, and he, <laughs> would, he would just be like, so let's analyse every single detail of no, this. No, was really just kind of more of a, you know, chill, chill and drink some brews with oh, his okay, friends sort right. of Let's Play. Cool. Good. Anyway, yes, um, all the tone poems of Strauss or Liszt as they are in prog rock or the contemporary pop of 1975. That's because the song manages a slight of musical hand that only a handful of real master musicians have managed. The illusion that its huge variety of styles From intro to ballad to operatic excess to hard rock to reflective coda are unified into a single statement. Mm. A drama that somehow makes sense. Mm. It's a classic example of the unity and diversity that high-minded musical commentators have heard in the symphonies of Beethoven or the operas of Mozart. And that's exactly what the piece is. A miniature operatic rhapsodic symphonic tone poem. Mm. And I continue... I really wish I hadn't closed the relevant tab for this joke... (laughs) He, he continues. Godzilla took a bite out of Optimus Rhyme, like Scruff McGrath takes a bite out of Cry... I'm not doing that again. Okay. <laughs> I can cut the silence out of that to make that <laughs> joke work. But will you? Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to leave a bunch of dead air in the podcast. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, okay, I've just identified a noise that was bugging me when I was editing last, and I apologise to the listeners who for it. My chair is creaking. We'll have to solve this before the next episode. <laughs> We're gonna buy two new chairs. I mean, we've got the folding chairs that we might have to start using again. Oh god. Maybe there's a there's a shop online that sells podcasting chairs. No squeak. I mean, we can just use the perfectly functional chairs we have. So we're... Anasui is explaining... Sorry, not Anasui. Ungalo. Ungalo is getting explained to... Well, no, no. We're leaving that flashback as he's explaining that all his life he felt like a tumbling rock with no purpose. Ah, like a rolling stone. Yes. Mm. Like the very same rolling stone that was foretold the doomed fates of Butcherati... Uh, that's and the rest—that's <laughs> all we got for <laughs> so their fucking names. Are, uh, b- 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 the short guy—I don't know. I got no. Part five characters. Yeah, I know. Um, Bucciarelli, Mister. No, Mister survived. Uh, Giorno. Uh, um, Polnareff. Abakio. A- a- Abakio. Abakio. Um, and the the, um, the little one. Yeah, the plain boy. Yeah. Fuck, what's his name? This is—we b- <laughs> were shaming ourselves, Nick. What do you, I have never professed to have a good memory. We all watched this show and we've all read the manga. Well, I haven't read the manga. Literally any time I'm like... He's got Aerosmith. Yeah, he's got Aerosmith. He's a boy. Narantia. Narantia. That's right. Phew. That was close. We would have had to shut down the podcast. Anyway, Ungalo's all like, yeah, I never But now Aerosmith. I know I was born to use this power to bring all fictional characters to life. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody rules. Oh, I love seeing the decay of society that judged me so poorly for my life choices. But now they're getting judged poorly for their life choices. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. I mean, Chocolate G is doing great. <laughs> yeah, he's got a wife. <laughs> he doesn't need he's his got body seven, anymore. seven mates. He's just like, so what do we do? It's like, uh, mostly we go mining. So, oh, anything else? Nah, just mining. Do you like chocolate? No, we're lactose intolerant. Oh. Um, Snow White, you'll... You'll with be with me forever, right? Yes, I'll, but I'm, I might get a bit drowsy. Oh. Weather Report's still having a bad time. And then mm-hmm. the police car speeds past, its back door lurches open, and, uh, and Asui falls out onto Weather Report. And he's thrust back towards the gun, which <gasps> cocks itself and fires <laughs> through Weather Report's head. And Weather Report's like, oh fuck! And I'm Van Gogh dead. is like clutching the nearby light post and he's like, oh, how could such a terrible thing happen? <laughs> I I couldn't have done nothing to prevent it. And the, the goats are there, like, ha, 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 ha. Um uh, Weather Report starts to dissolve. Anasui also kind of starts melting. His hand melts into his mouth, drowning him. And the goats declare that he's drowned, and that's how the story goes. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Van Gogh declares that he'll live a happy life in uh Weather Report's place. I guess he's gonna take his body or something. <laughs> but but just before we cut away, we see Weather Report's hand. Don't know how he's doing this when he got his fucking brains blown out. But mm-hmm. his hand reaches out and grabs Van Gogh by the scruff. Uh, meanwhile, in the plane, uh Ungalo sees the little girl, who's the only other passenger on this plane. Yeah. Such a weird, such a (laughs) weird contrivance. Where is everyone else? They're getting distracted by fairy tales. Cabin crew. Distracted by fairy tales. Not like the pilot. Is this a a private jet or what's going on here? No, it's a normal charter vehicle. Look, see, look, everyone that would be in these seats distracted by fairy tales. Easy explanation. Yeah. And she's reading Aladdin and the Magic Lamp from uh, 1001 Arabian Nights. Yep. But the characters are back on the cover on the illustration. What do you mean? That's impossible. We've literally just destroyed all the characters in every single illustration and painting that we know of. You mean you by setting them free. Them... Yeah, exactly. But But we see that and this must have this must be this is playing playing fast and loose with time and continuity. <laughs> uh-huh. Because whether a port as he was dying, or as his soul was dying, or yeah. whatever, forced Van Gogh to draw him an original character, do not steal. <laughs> Uh, and it's pretty it's actually like quite well drawn I mean well it was by Van Gogh ah true and Hirohiko Araki and uh it, it's called something it's like a hero, it's a hero it's like fix or put, put back man yeah put back and he's man. like a guy he's like a stand he looks like a stand essentially he has a blunderbuss esque vacuum yep he's got a big moustache and a big top hat and uh Weather Report's all like this guy he's gonna put it's, everything his name back. is Weather Report the Hedgehog <laughs> He's my Sonic OC. Yeah. <laughs> what he- he'll go really fast all around the world and put all the fictional characters back. But not as fast as Sonic because he's the fastest. <laughs> I respect the law. No, he creates his own original character, Putback Man, that can put back all the fictional characters in their own story. And, and then he then, does that. And then he's going to die after he does that. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the story. He's got two things on his belt. He's got his vacuum with which he'll put all fictional characters back, Uh and a gun with one bullet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is the bullet for safety?
1: You could say that. (laughs) Uh,
0: And it also sucks up uh, the dying weather report and Anna Suey so that they'll go back into their own bodies too and be solved. Hmm. Um, The girl on the plane is like, "Oh, I'm just reading about this book." She's like, "Can I have my book back?" Yeah, And and Galo has gone catatonic. It's like, oh my god! Society isn't getting destroyed by the power of my stand. Time to give up immediately. And uh, he's basically dead. He's—it's something like he's in uh, deep shock or, or something. Back to despair, beyond recovery. Back to despair. And the girl takes the book and starts happily reading it yep. again, spreading the stories once again in a normal, healthy fashion. Meanwhile, in Florida, <laughs> which is elsewhere. Where we're anywhere. Yeah. Yep. Jolene has broken into her ex-boyfriend Romeo's house. So many times. Or cars. rather, he's coming home and she to find the escaped convict Jolene Cujo in his house. And she's all like, hey, Romeo. And she's looking at the photo of his favourite car that they were driving in the fateful incident on the wall. While power stancing yeah, I mean, the it, fuck out. It's JoJo's, that goes without saying. But right? Like, this is just like holding her belt with one hand, mm-hmm. like ready at the go. Romeo's like, oh my god oh my God, all all the guilt is coming back. He's like, how did did you find me? How did you find me in my house that I live in? Uh, He's probably like, how did you escape? And he's like, she's like, stay away from the phone. She's, She's calm. She means business. All the phones. Yep. So he's like, "Please let me make it up to you. I feel so guilty after I what so I did. I feel so guilty, but how I got you sentenced to jail for nineteen years plus the additional time that you weren't from disobeying I'll, I'll, prison ordinances. I'll confess, I'll get a non-guilty plea. Please, I please. Of you. And then Jolene's like, he's got Shh. he's got it bad for her. Yeah. And Jolene's like, Silence. Shut up. Shut your fuck up, Romeo. Sweet, stupid Romeo. I'll outlive you all. Listen. You may be the only man here, but you're no longer it's like the only man in my life. So different from the last time they interacted. Yeah. She's entirely she was, in control of the situation. She doesn't was doesn't give a naive. fuck about him. She was she used to be like, oh, I'll I'll be and I'll do anything for it's like, we'll go to jail. But now Romeo's like, I'll do anything for you She's like softly tapping his face and telling him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> you just give me your car keys, you dumb fuck. And he goes to speak and she puts her finger in his mouth and says, There's no need for words, Romeo. And he's like, you're the best I've ever had. I need you. And she's like, I know, shut up. <laughs> she's so Han Soloing him right now. <laughs> I tried to visit you, but they wouldn't let me. Shut up. Listen, shut up. Listen, <laughs> just the car keys. That's I pity I you, mean. Romeo, you suck. If <laughs> You say one more. No, she one. says, um, uh, nothing matters anymore about the hit and run. I've got nothing against you. You, got, you just got embroiled in a conspiracy. <laughs> now listen. I need a favour. You're going to give me the keys to your cars. I need money and a car. Well, I've only got $1,000 on me right now. <laughs> fucking... What a fucking stench. Fucking, fucking kill him, J- Jolene. <laughs> Anyone that carries $1,000, death immediately. <laughs> yeah. Right then and there. Thanks, Romeo. Don't talk to the police. Oh, Jolene. Uh, I've got to tell everyone. I'll get you an guilty verdict. Uh, come back to me. And then he looks up and she's gone. Through the window. Yep. She is walking away from the house. She looks quite miffed. She's like... I can't believe fucking... I just have to go... See that fucking... Romeo. Ass. Motherfuck- Shut up, Romeo. Uh, goes over to Hermes and Emporio. chucks <laughs> yeah, Casually chucks the keys to Emporio. It's like, oh, hell yeah, it's car like, keys. Emporio, the child, is their designated driver. We're both drunk, you see, so <laughs> <laughs> the child has to drive. Uh, and we, she's holding something in her hand mm-hmm. from which we can hear the voice of Romeo on the phone to the cops. And he's like, Hi. I'm Romy, Romeo Giso or Giso. Hmm. That's a normal name, a normal American name, a normal Floridian name. A Palm Beach resident. Oh. And she opens her hand, and his tongue is in her hand,
1: With and the... because
0: this is how tongues work, uh-huh. it's recreating the same movements that he's making to speak, and they can mm. hear it. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's not like a like a. It's not the vocal cords. It's the tongue that makes the sound. Yeah. Yes, it's Jolene Cujo. And then they're like, oh, good I, good thing you put that sticker on his tongue. Now we can silence him. And then right before they're about to rip it off, he's like, no, 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 she wasn't at my house. She just called. She asked for money, but I didn't give it to her. She said she's going to Mexico. And uh, she's all like, oh, that was nice. He didn't rat you out. But we're going to take the sticker off anyway. So he feels a bit of pain. Yeah. <laughs> he did still fuck you up, so. Yep is like wow your ex-boyfriend rules he gave us keys to a helicopter I wonder how to drive them I bet it's much harder than the books I've read about it and then Hermes and Jolene are like you're right it probably is let's take the helicopter <laughs> and that's how they all died <laughs> uh yeah good app but Nick there's a post credit sequence fuck you talking about? In which cow, fa- cow print <laughs> oh. bodysuit guy is kneeling in front of Father Pucci, being like can you do something about my eyelids? one of my eyelids always slides down. I can't open my eye I mean I can get it open sometimes end of episode yeah. <laughs> that's literally what he says <laughs> and Father Pucci is just staring down at him and that's the cliffhanger <laughs> I can open it sometimes dun dun Good ep. oh Good F. Nick, what do you think about um, Put Back Man as a solution to Bohemian Rhapsody? I think it's... I think it's quite inspired. I think it moved me. I think it's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen, <laughs> but it moved it me. Wor- it works for the stakes they've established, Yeah, creating a new character that solves all your problems. It's, and then disappears immediately. This is... Kill Father Poochie, man. It's almost like it's a commentary on all forms of literature (laughs) that have ever introduced a new character to solve the problem. Mm. You know? Like midway through a story. This is Dr. Deus Ex (laughs) Machina. Hi, my name is Fixum. What do you do? I'm just... Just shut up, okay? Just follow (laughs) my exact instructions. And it's just such a like, no, 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 the story can't be escaped, so I'm just going to make a new story. Oh, has it ever been printed? No. Shut up. I'm making a new story. All right, it's gonna work, and then it just kind of works. It's like, oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Great. More our highlights and lowlights this episode, Nick. My yeah. highlight is gonna have to be um, <laughs> just because it's now making me laugh a lot. The the gun cocking and shooting itself because <laughs> it's like I shot myself twice. It's like, well, it can't shoot him if he doesn't. Oh no, no, it just it's alive. It's sentient. <laughs> Yeah, that great. Oh, that's great. Uh, there's so a lot good. to love in this episode. Oh, just the stupidity of some of the things is just amazing. Um, I think Jolene was genuinely cool in her one scene in this episode, yes. so I'm going to give that my highlight. Beautiful. Low light? Low, tough call. Um, I I mean, want... Obviously, the, everything with the goats, yeah. but is that too easy? What A, a, a specific section with the goat, though. Because I know my specific okay. low light would probably just, with the goat specifically, would be... No, we're trapped in here When they're calling from inside On yep. a suey stomach Why is that your low light? Because I'm like Oh no, it's inside him Oh no, they're alive Oh, I don't like that I don't like that at all I don't like things being alive inside No, me. none of Like all. when you think about the gut bacteria That lives inside you are like, I don't like that And they're like but it Yeah, I say you. kill them all Yeah It's either have them or don't And I'm like, well, I know where I stand <laughs> mm. It's a tricky one There's a lot of low lights to pick from <laughs> I think my low light is probably. Um, I don't feel like uh, the stand user Galo was really enough of a presence in the story. Mm. Like the whole point is that he's just doing this thing from well up, well outside the reach of an enemy, that's why they had to solve it the way he was. But he just doesn't really have enough gravitas, personality to carry his yeah. brief parts of it. Yeah, particularly since you know, as you may have gleaned, they're doing something with these three stand users. Yeah, it'd be nice if he had some more, maybe something to do with Dio and procreation thereof. Well, Nick, as we know, um, all of parts four, five, and six of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure are about Dio's legacy, ultimately. Hmm, yeah. But Josuke wasn't a Dio's son. No, but he was solving problems left uh, caused by Dio's legacy, the That's arrow. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yoshikage Kira was an unrelated problem. It's not exclusively about Dio's legacy, but it does feature into all p- mm, parts of it. True, true. Um, also, honourable shout-out. Honourable shout-out to Highlight for. The chocolatier getting with Snow White. Hey, we should all be so lucky. And honourable mention low light to the chocolatier after everything gets solved, no longer being with Snow White. Oh, Having a possibly failing business. Just kissing the Snow White picture that's hung up in his chocolatierry. I'll bring you back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do anything. And then <laughs> Father Poochie walks in. Anything. Willy Wonka's bizarre adventure. Oh no. So Nick. Yes. Bohemian Rhapsody has been undone by Put-Back-Man. Just what a fucking way to resolve it. Jolene, yep. a Hermes and Emporio have a helicopter and a $1,000. Yep. Father Pucci uh, is speaking in a shadowy room with Cal's bodysuit print man whose eyelids droop. Mm-hmm. There's a third guy who was in the bed. The new moon still approaches. Yep. What will happen next time on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh Uh-huh. Part six, Stone Ocean. Absolutely. In the episode entitled... Yep. Sky High. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, they're going to get in the helicopter. That tracks. And there'll be a stand battle. With what? Or who? The the stand battle, I suspect. Because we've got... um, Weather Report can control the weather. So it won't be to do with that. But what if it's like this dude's drooping eye is like... Oh, I can see again, but when I close my eye, things disappear or something. Oh, I, I was going to guess that like it droops because he's got like gravity powers or something, and no. like it's extra gravity on his no, eyelids. that's too e- too easy. That makes too much sense. Yeah. it would have to be something really weird because we're getting into the re- like the really weird stand powers. Nick, I'm, I'm delighted to tell you. Yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet. What? <laughs> God, okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, the real, the serious heads out there know what I'm talking about. Huh. Are we talking future parts or are we talking in this part? We're talking in this part. Oh, okay. Um. Well, I mean, we did also just have a stand power that brought every fictional and sometimes real- That's true, that's up there, but yeah. I would still say far from the wildest one in this story. <laughs> oh my God, okay. Uh. Well, yeah, I reckon maybe this dude is going to attack from the ground and they're going to be like, Oh my god. There is a helicopter. Yeah. And it's like, he's on the ground, but how do we get to him? We're sky high. Exactly. It's like, I can't reach him with my thread. I and can't reach him with my sticker. Emporio can pilot the helicopter. Fucking nothing. They can pilot the helicopter perfectly fine? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, obviously, he can. He's a child. He's, Children have endless capacity for learning. they exactly. got so much neuroplasticity. Exactly. He is absolutely made for this shit. I've, I spent my. my Youth up to this point piloting the ghost helicopter around Green Dolphin Street Prison. <laughs> just, just the thought of them having the helicopter piloted by a boy and they're like... Oh, Emporio hey, looks, looks to me like he has an Australian accent. Does that make sense to you? Uh, like, what is it, Skip? That sort of... Yeah, nice. I guess so. Because he's like a young kid mm-hmm. who's like... It's the tan, the blonde hair. Yeah, a kind of go get him Even like though he's actually. wearing an American baseball outfit. Yeah, or just like, um, just some young... Like Sandlock Kid style yeah. character. I mean, that's clearly what he is. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. But in the next episode, they're just going to be finding a guy from the ground. Okay. And the ground guy, the ground guy has what power? Uh, maybe something like when I close my eye, things disappear on the helicopter, like the back. Oh, uh, the rotor just vanished. Yeah. But he has to open his eye again because he he doesn't have much control over his eye. Oh, I see. So like, it'll disappear and then it'll just come back and I'll be and it's like, like, I'm getting stressed. I can't open my eye properly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> One of those ones where we kind of see it more from the enemy's perspective. Maybe? Maybe there's actually no real threat to Jolene and crew. And he's just trying to use his stand power desperately. And he keeps failing out. Oh, it. it's like an Ongo Bongo episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, but my eye, I can't open my eyes." like, no, I believe you can. Goes out in the field. I still can't really open my eye. <clears throat> and then when he tries, he barely opens it for like half a second. He's like... I still can't open it. Well, we'll see all of that and more next time on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6 Stone Ocean uh, in Sky High. But until then, to, to be, be continued. continued.